0: This is the Mark Stucheski podcast. Ruth Pierce, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Mark. It's great to be here.
0: Actually, I should say welcome back because you are in episode 345, back on May eighth, 2019. So I should have said welcome back to the podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that seems like a very long time ago with everything that's happened in the last couple of years. So it's great to be back though. It's great still to be here.
0: Yes. And I'm super excited at the topic we're going to talk about today. Before we do that, why don't you take a minute and tell us what do you do for a living?
1: Well, I still do some of the same things and I do some different things now. So my focus is very much on group coaching partly because it makes it more accessible to people who don't generally get access to coaching. And also just, I love groups. And I also work part-time. I think I was doing this back in 2019. I worked part-time for the VIA Institute on Character. Uh, I use their assessment, the VIA Character Assessment in practically everything I do. It's a wonderful assessment. And so I cyberstalked them until they gave me a
0: job. (laughs) I kind of love that. Uh, What's interesting is... When I, I I honestly don't remember what we talked about back in 2019. I've I've released like over 800 episodes. I can't remember every one, but I know that I wanted to. Ha- Obviously, I loved what you did on that show because otherwise, I wouldn't invite <laughs> you back. Um, and I too like group coaching, so I have a a group coaching program, and I violated one of my key tenants. I added complexity to it. I had all these moving parts. I was, I was thinking I was adding all the value, and my my clients were saying were confused. There's part A, part B, part C, part D, what's going on. And what they all wanted was the group coaching. And so I went back to one of my key tenants, which is keep it simple and got rid of all those things that people were confused about. And now I'm focusing on group coaching because I love getting on a Zoom call with people and I love answering their questions and teaching them stuff like that. And I think I was just had a fear of like not delivering enough value, even though I was. And uh, so lesson to any entrepreneur listening to the show, keep it simple. It really does matter because if you add complexity, then people get overwhelmed, they get frustrated and they quit. We don't want people to quit. So I'm glad Mm -hmm. you brought that up about group coaching. And now how many people are in your groups typically?
1: Well, it, it, we're really flexible about that because we have 13 coaches in total and we just ramp up or ramp down according to how many people have signed up. So for every six to eight people in the group, we have a coach present so that when we do the breakout rooms, the, the breakouts are a manageable number and they're they're facilitated, hosted by a coach. So we don't do breakout rooms where we just send people off to talk on their own about a topic. We have a coach in the room. So it's, it's pretty flexible. And we've, we really like that. It also means people get access to different coaches. So they can be in the same room with the same coach each week, or they can be with a different coach and experience a different coaching style, a different focus. And so it keeps it very
0: sort of flexible. Excellent. Well, you wanted to talk about coaching people through tough times. Uh, You know, Something happened back in uh, early 2020 uh, called the, the pandemic. <laughs> and what's amazing is here we are, April 2020, 2021, Mark, 2021. We're in a new year now. Um, I, I There's some people that are doing remarkably well. And there are some people who are still watching the news all day long, still obsessed with COVID and the elections and all this other stuff. And my biggest fear is, when this thing blows over and eventually we will get past covid i mean the spanish flu didn't wipe out civilization covid won't wipe out civilization they're going to be people that are way into the sunset and those are the people who are working their buns off right now and the people who are binge watching netflix or the news they're like oh what are those dots on the hero- oh those are people this is a <laughs> tremendous opportunity to learn a new skill, to launch a podcast, to launch a YouTube channel, to write that book, because you're probably never going to get this opportunity ever again. And we're actually coming out of it. I live in Texas, Texas, Florida, certain parts of the, the country have come out from lockdowns and all this other stuff, and people are going back to normal. And so this is a great opportunity. So let's talk about how do we deal with tough times, not just during the pandemic, You know, loss of a loved one, you lose your job, your company closes. Let's talk about that.
1: Sounds great. Uh, one of the things I would say is that no two people's experience of this is the same. So I hear a lot of broad brush statements that this is happening and that's happening. It depends on who you are, where you are in the social pecking order. For some people, it's survival mode right now. And for some of us, there's the opportunity to say, Oh, this is kind of a lull in my normal routine. And so yes, I can write that book or start that podcast or whatever it might be. And there's everything in between. So I think that's one of the challenges is just recognizing that we don't know from our own experience what the person on the other side of the Zoom call is feeling like or whether everyone that we're thinking of actually can even get on Zoom. I've been talking to a lot of people who've struggled with homeschooling because they don't have great internet access. I used to live in an area where the internet, we were called the last mile in Massachusetts Ah. because... (laughs) <laughs> it was that sort of tag along end bit with very small communities. So there was no bang for the buck, you know, in actually installing great cable there or Firewire or any of those things. And so those kind of communities I know have struggled a lot. So I think it's recognizing where people are at and meeting them there. And I'm also blessed with having had, this is going to sound strange, maybe um, I've struggled with a lifetime of anxiety and one of the things that i noticed not for again not for everybody one of the things i noticed last year though was that finally i had something realistic to worry about so for all of my life i've stressed myself with imagined things you know and, and considered What what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, and always stress myself out. Now suddenly there was something real you had to plan for, you had to focus on. How are you gonna do something simple like go to the store safely and without it taking three hours because you've got to wait in the parking lot? And this is as I say, gonna sound strange. For me, that was actually a relief because it was a real thing Mm -hmm. and not, you know, just something that my brain was conjuring up. So I've heard that from a few people. And then introverts. Suddenly we had permission to stay home. <laughs> it's, it, it, we don't have to get on a plane. We don't have to stand up in front of that audience. We can do it in a more personal way. So it, it really is. And I think those are the people that you're saying are the dots in the distance, are the people for whom this really represented an opportunity and the ones who are going to be looking at their backs, you know, or the sands getting the sand kicked in their face are the ones for whom it was such a turnaround and such a struggle mm. and that it's been hard to connect with people and they felt disconnected because they're not going into whatever their workplace is. Or, um, so it's, there's no one size fits all in anything.
0: <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you more. And what's interesting is, I made a decision about nine months before COVID hit that I didn't want to go out and speak all the time. I was speaking on a regular basis because when you go live from your home and you get done with the broadcast, you walk out and you're with your family. And so, even before COVID was a thing, I made a decision that I'm going to be very selective of where I speak. Okay. I want to make sure do I want to speak at this organization? Is there enough people there? Do I want to travel to that city? What time of year it is because I don't want to travel up to Alaska in the winter. And so, because I gave myself permission, I was trying to mold myself for what other people wanted. And I'm like, no, what do you, what do you want, Mark? I read a someone told me to read a book called The Blue Ocean Strategy, fantastic yes. yep. book. And I'm like, okay, how do I want to set my coaching business up? And so, I decided I'm going to determine how many coaching clients I want to take per day, per week. And in total, because I know myself that when I get over that threshold, that I'm not giving 100% to my clients, and I also know that I want a gap between clients so I can decompress, maybe go read a book, go take the dog for a walk. That works for me, and I encourage people, especially if you're an entrepreneur who mostly are, who are listening to my show, you need to figure out what works for you, how you're going to serve your clients best, and then. You take that out to the world. What most people do is they try to make what's already there work for them. And I, I don't think that works very well. What do you think? Hey there, it's Mark. And I want to invite you to become a Mark Strucheski insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at mrproductivity.com.
1: I, I agree. It's one of those things that as I started up my own business, there's lots of advice. So many people have got advice for you, get up at 4.30, get started before the rest of the world has. I tried that and it made me miserable. I'm not a morning person and that's okay. I'm not a morning person. When you describe the um, the overload, if you're taking on too many clients, one of the things that I worked out. About just over a year ago is that when I do group coaching, it energizes me. And when I do one-on-one coaching, it's very important. And I get a lot out of doing one-on-one coaching, but I find that more tiring and more draining. So I can handle more group coaching sessions in a week than I can one-on-one sessions. And that has the beauty. I'm all about making things accessible to as many people as possible. So that has the beauty that it also means more people get to play in this particular sandpit. And one of the things that we do a lot of work within our group coaching is looking at what are your particular strengths? It's not about what's the magic formula to be a leader or an effective project manager or this or that. It is what do you have at your fingertips and how do you optimize those things to be the best version of yourself that you can be? And that's one of the beauties of the group coaching is you get to see that other people's answer isn't the same as yours. Whereas if you're one-on-one, there's still that kind, sometimes there's the measuring against the coach, or maybe the coach is oversharing a little bit about what they've seen other people do. In a group situation, you hear one person go, really? You do that? I phew, I would never do that. And we start to get that permission to have our own way. And we see that everybody has their own way. It normalizes that process of figuring out what works for you.
0: You know, speaking of technology, I, I am a Google Workspace for Business customer. And one of the things you get with it is Google Meet. And I started transitioning everyone to Google Meet, and there's a whole bunch of confusion there. So I was talking to my coach about it. And she goes, Mark, I know you love the Google Meet thing, but most people are used to Zoom, and you don't want to put an obstacle. About how people get on your coaching calls, so I went back to Zoom, and it's a lot easier because people, everybody knows who Zoom is. People go, yeah. "What's a Google Meet?" I, I don't understand, and so right away you're starting the relationship on the wrong foot because now they're confused, and so. But you're right; not everyone knows Zoom. Not every you know we we take for granted. Everyone has high-speed internet. We take for granted everyone's got the latest technology, the latest browser, the latest tools, and they don't. And we have to realize that we have to meet them where they are. So to, yours, to use your example, if you're on the last mile, well, I have to take that into consideration when I'm coaching that client. I can't mm-hmm. assume they, they live in... A major metropolitan area like I do in Houston, Texas, have high speed internet. I've got to say, okay, you have bad internet. Okay, maybe we won't, we, maybe video doesn't work. Maybe we'll just do you know audio only calls because you really got to listen to their needs. Because if they can't hear what you're saying or hear what you're saying or see what you're saying, then they're not going to get a lot out of the coaching call. Right. So I think we need as coaches we need to be very uh, uh, cognizant of the fact that not everyone has the technology. Something else you talked about is getting up early. Now I fought this for many years. Then someone told me about a book by Robin Sharma called The 5 a.m. Club. Read the book in uh, January, February 2020. And the whole premise is about getting up at 5 a.m. And like, oh, you know, I keep hearing getting up early, getting up early, getting up early. And I said, as a productivity crash test dummy. I want to try this out. I wanted to see <laughs> if it really works because I can't authentically tell my clients how it works unless I try it. So I tried it and the first couple weeks are really horrible, but now I get up at five o'clock in the morning, not a problem. I get up and I go out for a brisk walk for 20 minutes, get the blood flowing. And for me, it works, but to your point, it doesn't work for everybody. And another thing I want people to understand is just because you get up at five o'clock in the morning, doesn't mean you're going to make as much money as Jeff Bezos. It's, it's, it's a part of the journey, but it's not a critical component of you being successful.
1: Well, and it's also good to remember that getting up at five o'clock in the morning is not the point. It's what you do once you're up. 100%. So I've. it's always amused me when I used to work back in offices, which is a few years ago now, we'd always have that person that was the first person in the office. They used to get the first train in the morning. They would be at their desk. Whatever time you walked in, they were already there. Their feet were up on the desk and they were reading a newspaper. And yeah, you're in the office. It doesn't mean that you're at work. Yeah. And then, of course, when it came to 3, thirty, four o'clock, they'd be like, well, I got in really early, so I'm going home now. The first couple of hours was their wind-up time, you know, mm-hmm. to get ready to be productive. And also, he, they were there at a time when no one else was, so they couldn't actually collaborate with anyone. So yes. it wasn't necessarily effective. So it's not just the getting up. And then there's factors like, um, I'm on medication, so... For me to start something at, let's say, 8 o'clock in the morning, I have to make sure I've taken my medication by 7. Mm-hmm. So if I want to start doing something at 5 in the morning, I need to be taking my medication at 4. So I – no, no, not me. Sorry. And that's okay.
0: <laughs> there's, there's, no, there's no 5 a.m. police that are going to arrest people don't get up at 5 o'clock well, in the morning.
1: And it's not 5 a.m. everywhere, right? Exactly, so, or it is 5, 5 a.m. somewhere. You know? <laughs> so I am getting up at 5 a.m. Hawaii time. And it works really well for me.
0: So. I, uh, good point. I was, uh, I had a guest on my show recently and they were in India. And so we got done with the podcast. You know, I thanked her for being on the show. And I'm like, what time is it there? She goes, oh, it's midnight. I'm like, what? I'm like, because I, because I usually talk to people either in the United States or Europe. And it was like midnight. I'm like, she goes, well, I could have done four o'clock in the morning or midnight. I'm like, oh my goodness. But she goes, look at, I know most people, most of my clients are over in America. That's what I have to do. And she didn't complain about it. She was in very good spirits. And she just says, Hey, you know, just the price of me living in India, she could have easily complained and say, Whoa, is me. I wish people, you know, model to me, but she realizes most of her clients were over in another time zone and she had to do what she had to do. A lot of people, um, people I work with in Australia, the same issue. They said, look at I have to I have to mold to you. And it, it's just an important part uh, you have to understand. It's,
1: it's interesting, though, that the I have to mold to you. You started earlier about not necessarily following the mold that's been set by someone else. And then there's that I have to mold to you. I'm always curious about how we decide who the you is.
0: <laughs> yeah, good point.
1: Why am I not having to mold to the people in India? I've worked with people in India many, many times, both when I was still living in the UK and also – when I've worked uh, in organizations in the US and we've very often had a substantial proportion of our resources in India and we've had to come to a compromise. We can't expect them to be on a call with us at four o'clock in the morning so that we can be comfortable. And it's weird because a lot of India, it's 10 and a half hours or nine and a half hours, depending on the time of year. So there's that half hour, which completely confuses everybody. And what we found was we had to compromise. Sometimes it had to be on their time schedule and sometimes yeah. on hours because otherwise they're taking all of the strain of that time difference and they're part of our team <laughs> it's not as though they they're giving a special key to join us and it's this sort of super duper privilege we're all working together on something important right and so we we made this point of making sure that we were as flexible as we could be and i quite often i also teach coaching to coaches and i quite often have people this time I had someone in Tokyo quite often I have people in Australia and that timing I usually teach in the evenings because it's their mornings ah. so all of those things where we we all need to come together to make
0: the time work um, yeah. so well a lot of times the issue I run into is with podcast guests and if you have to ask me I can't read the mind so when I send my schedule I usually do my interviews 9 10 11 a.m central time okay so if you're in India, and you go, man. That's really late for me. All you have to do is say, "Hey," um, and they people have done that. People in Australia, people in India, have said, "Look at, okay, well, then we'll work something out." But if you don't say something, I'm going to assume that it works out for you. I, yeah. I, I, I've not, I've given up trying to be a mind reader, at Ruth. So I just like if, <laughs> if if they're signing up for a nine o'clock appointment and and it's like two o'clock in the morning, well. Okay. You didn't say anything. It's not my fault. But if they do ask me, I do say, okay, yeah, we'll work something. Out. I'll do an interview late at night. Not a problem, but you got to say something. Um,
1: so, well, I will say I do yes. one thing and that is in all my invitations, I include a time zone converter. Okay. So that the person can right away figure out what time will that be in their time zone. And I think it opens up that conversation because the fact that I've put a time zone converter in means obviously I'm aware that time zones are different. And then they're, I think they're, they're more comfortable then saying, I use that time zone converter you gave me and that's going to be three o'clock in the morning. Any options for doing it? at a different
0: time that's what so, i love about calendly so when you book a time on my calendar it automatically puts it in your local time so you're yeah. like ooh, three o'clock in the morning so you know right off the bat yeah uh before we get to the topic on working remotely and networking uh do you have a couple maybe one or two tips i guess that is a couple two tips is a couple how people can work through tough times Give us a couple uh, strategies that we can use as a result yeah. of this conversation
1: uh well, I have several, so let me think which okay. are the key ones. Well, one it, one that comes
0: out from the group
1: coaching every time is that it's surprising how many people are sharing your experience. Even if your your experience feels very singular and like you're the only person in the world going through this, you are. You are the only person going through it in exactly the way that you're going through it, and yet there are many other people who have a similar experience. So finding one or two of those people – is really helpful because then it it makes your experience, it normalizes it, makes that experience feel less strange or that there's something wrong with you or whatever. So that's one thing I would say. And the other is you mentioned at the beginning about you get up at five and you go for a walk to get the blood flowing, get outside.
0: Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to misterproductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page and click the link.
1: And there was a really interesting study, even if it's just for five minutes, there was a really interesting study that was done on a housing project years ago in Chicago. And they found that people who were assigned outside units that looked out on even a single tree had better mental health than the people who were assigned inside units that looked on the parking lot or the concrete of another building. Hmm. And they were actually able to measure that. And it's the smallest amount. I My mood can change because I go out onto my deck and I see a tiny lizard. Hmm. And for that moment, there's no COVID, there's no nothing. It's just me and the lizard and me wondering how, what's the most important thing to him today because it isn't <laughs> going to be can I get a COVID shot, I'm pretty sure, um, or what's going to happen to my job or something. And there's just that moment of relief. It doesn't necessarily last very long, but it's really, really refreshing to be able to disengage that part of your brain that is constantly cycling through. Yes. How am I going to handle this? What am I going to do? What's the next thing? Yeah. So those would be find your people. And get outside.
0: Yeah, I I tell you, one of the things I love to do is I go outside. Again, I live in Houston and I will sit in the sun. I will take my shoes and socks off. So my feet are grounding on the ground. And sometimes I read, sometimes I just sit there and be quiet. And it's amazing between the grounding and the fresh air and the sun on my skin, how it energizes me. And the thing is, it's absolutely free. That's the thing. When people will say, well, grounding the scam. I'm like, dude, it's walking around barefoot. Why, why are you worried about us? You're too uptight. If you're worried about me walking around barefoot, it's a scam. You got other issues you have to deal with because it's a hundred percent free. And we were kids. We did it all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, um great conversation there. So, I want to, you said you want to talk about. Uh,
1: well, working. actually, Mark, yeah. before we jump to that topic, I wanted to share something that sure. is
0: probably going to sound
1: completely wacky. But we have a porch on the back of our house. We moved to North Carolina two and a half years ago. And we have a porch on the back of our house. And one night I was sitting out there with my husband and we were hanging out. And I'll admit, we were having a little bit of an adult beverage and <laughs> just having a nice time out there. And I could hear. The tree frogs and I could hear the birds and I turned to my husband I swear he thought I was either smoking something or I'd had more to drink than he'd noticed <laughs> because he said I said I want to sleep in the porch tonight so I pushed together the garden furniture brought out a comforter and slept in the porch so that I could sleep in those sounds now, I'm very fortunate that I have a wonderful space to do that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not everyone has that. Right. But I remember hearing, it's one of the sportsmen, I can't for, in this moment remember who it is, but one of the sportsmen who grew up in the city said the sound of rain on the window did that for him. Yeah. So again, I encourage people to look for what is that? connection you can find even if you don't live in a place where you can sleep in the porch and listen to the birds singing.
0: Well, you know, we have technology. So I have apps on my phone. If I go someplace, I I can't sleep in complete silence. So you can play rain, thunderstorms, crickets, tree frogs. And it's nice that we can have this on our technology now. So it's a very good point. Thank you for sharing that with us. So let's talk about working remotely and networking.
1: Ah, yes. Yes. So I saw an article a couple of weeks ago that unusually for me, irritated me. So I, we were talking before we started this show about liking to read. I'm always reading something. It's not always books, but I do read a lot of content, especially about workplace well-being and stuff like that. And there was this particular article saying that now we're working remotely as though this is the first time anyone's ever done that. <laughs> I've been working with remote teams for 20 years. And you can imagine 20 years ago, we were not getting on Zoom calls. Yes. <laughs> so um, so yeah, it's it's not new. But what this article was saying was it's ruined people's capacity to build social capital, to build those networks in the workplace that are going to benefit them and help them move through the workplace. And as I was reading the article, I thought, I think it's actually done something else. I think what it's done is it's demonstrated that the way we built social capital historically is not effective because it still depends on who you are as to who you connect with over the water cooler in the office. If you are a member of the kitchen staff in the cafeteria, you're not going to be at the same water cooler as the CEO. So you're not making those connections. And one of the things that I found this year is We came together to do this in it together, group coaching. There are 13 coaches and we've never met in person, Mm. not once. I have met two of them individually in person. So I met one in Minnesota and one in Atlanta. And, oh, actually, no, the other one I met in Charleston, South Carolina, And that is it. So I'm the only person who's met any of them. They haven't met each other. And to hear this group describe the sense of connection that we have, the way we work together, the commitments. If you go to our website and look at their vision, mission, values, there's amazing values that we've come together on in terms of serving our clients and being a support to the people that we do the group coaching and training for. And And I can't emphasize enough, we've never been in the same room. And it's because we did it deliberately. And that's what that article made me think about. I hear people say, it's not the same now we're on Zoom. No, it's not the same now we're on Zoom. But focus less on the medium and focus more on the people and the interaction. Relationship building is still the same. Relationship building is being curious sharing being a little vulnerable you know sharing information and seeing what comes back and you can do all of that when you're mindful about it you can do it by any means my mother used to complain that i spent too much time on the telephone when i was a child because <laughs> you should get on your bike and go and see the person in person you know yeah no we didn't do that we got on the phone so it's using the tools well And as I say, being deliberate about it, I think there's a great opportunity if organizations are feeling that the social capital building is sort of falling by the wayside, there's a great opportunity for them to realize that that it needs to be more deliberate if we're going to really empower people to be the best they can be in the workplace, that we need to create situations where they meet with people that they don't meet with on an everyday basis to find their mentor or to find the role model that they want. And we really love the group coaching aspect for that because just imagine if a random group of people joining an organization at around about the same time, so they're all on board in the first month and they came to a group coaching. There's no team connection. Some of them might be really senior. Some of them may be a fresh out of college or high school or whatever, and they come together and they have a group coaching about character strengths and what makes them special and all of a sudden, they've got this network of people who are very different than if we just relied on that water cooler conversation. And it's more deliberately built out. There's purpose in it. And it's more effective in the end. So I'm hoping we're going to see more of that, even as people do return to workplaces, maybe are not doing so
0: much remotely. I love that. That's very good. Uh, uh, very good. hearing your insights. And it's very uh, a good topic for people to go, huh? Yeah. How am I doing with networking remotely? So thank you for sharing that with us. So the final question I have for you is where can we go to find out more about what you're doing in the world?
1: So the best place to go is either to come find me on LinkedIn. So Ruth Pierce, Project Motivator, or to go to the website, which is www.projectmotivator, or one word, .com. So P R O J E C T M O T I V A T O R rcom com and you can find out all the all the stuff that i'm doing what we're doing with the various coaches and also from there you'll find out some of the work that i'm doing with the via institute on character to produce new products and tools to help people integrate character strengths into their everyday.
0: excellent well i want to thank you for being on the show today it was a delight having you back and sharing more insights with us so thank you so much
1: And thank you, Mark, for having me back. I I feel um, gratified that I passed the first test and was (laughs) allowed to come back a second time. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchewski podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchewski insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.